Let's start our second session here. Father, I pray that you'll let the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray that you'll just breathe on our time together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here and uh, welcome you to do a work in us, do a work to us, and then do a work through us in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Go go to the book of Exodus right next door to Genesis where our anchor text was last night. Go to Exodus chapter three. Okay, Exodus chapter three. There are some notes that should be out there that say burning but not consumed. Burning but not consumed, okay? Some notes are coming. Anybody still need them? Just raise a hand. All right, good. Then the brothers know where they need to go. Okay, great. Here they come. I try to bring notes when I come to these men's meetings so that you have something to write your reflections on and take your own notes. I know some of you are doing more on your phone, but at least you have those that you can uh, write on if you uh, are not that technologically astute, if you will, okay? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Pastor Ray asked me about that. He said, hey, man, the men's notes already had the blanks filled in. I said, okay. I said, we're going to give them a break. They had a big breakfast. I said, <laughs> I said, so let's not make them work so hard. Let's give them a little Sabbath, okay? Yeah, for those of you who have not been here before, you see you have to fill in the blanks. And, and I told them also at the men's meeting, if I, don't, if I miss one of those fill-ins, I said, there's always a line up here. They said, you missed this one. And what was that one? So y'all all right? Okay, with the fill-ins already in? Okay, okay, good. Good observation. All right, burning but not consumed. One of the things I'm concerned about uh, with men during this day is the pace of life right now. And the pace of life is accelerating as we go. Now, many of you know that the pace of life in terms of work especially um, changed. It changed. It changed during covid Because a lot of people learn how to work at home and now corporations at buildings downtown are saying we got empty buildings and people working at home. Now, it's not a productivity issue, but sometimes they have to justify budgets. Why are we paying this lease and nobody's in this building? And uh, why are we uh, paying this mortgage and nobody's there? The fact of the matter is, though, because of the economic inflation and recession and things like that, The pace that men and women find themselves on, especially in the marketplace and in the workplace, many believe that if they can pick up a second or a third job or gig, uh uh-huh, and some people call it a side hustle, that sometimes they can get ahead. I want you to know that the same kind of pace goes on in ministry. And peoples expect leaders to be on call and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We say 24 seven. Now I want you to know that people's needs do go on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm a pastor and I know that, but when leaders are not available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 24 seven people leave and move on and wear out the next leader. That's usually what they do. When you don't return that call, don't make that visit, don't respond in the way that they want, that's what happens. Now, listen, God's plan 
and purpose and principle is based on a 24-6 model, a Sabbath every week. Not 24-7, but a 24-6. Somebody ought to do the t-shirt. God's plan, 24-6. Okay, just send me a tithe once you do that, okay? First fruits, and then after that, it's all yours. But that's God's plan, 24-6. That you and I need to have a time to rest. Now, why is that important? In the book of Exodus, they had been under Pharaoh's narrative, and when you have Abraham, Isaac, and jo- uh, Jacob, and then you have Joseph, who brings the family down into Egypt. And then a Pharaoh arises that doesn't know Joseph. And the Hebrew children there are enslaved, enslaved, enslaved. When they are enslaved, Pharaoh has a narrative of scarcity, of fear, of lack, and of despair. And the people are forced to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're working round the clock, building things like the tombs of the pharaohs, of pyramids, and other uh, and other uh, buildings and devices. And people expect their leaders not only to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they expect them to be on fire 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They expect you to be able to call down fire. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, Moses is born under Pharaoh's system. He spends 40 years in Pharaoh's house, 40 years in the Midian desert, and then 40 years uh, leading Israel through the wilderness. Moses, he arises in, 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 uh, in solar time, the Gregorian calendar versus lunar time, the Hebrew calendar, probably right around 1400 B.C., 1400 B.C., And Moses is destined to be a leader, a shepherd, destined to be a deliverer, a liberator, a guide, and also a lawgiver and a prophet. Even prophets need a day off. Okay, so find the prophets around you and say, you need a day off too. Okay, find the prophets around you. Okay, yeah, some of y'all know some folk that may be or believe that they are prophets in this room. Uh, (laughs) All right. And so even prophets need a day off. So do preachers. And so even prophets need a day off. Now, one of the first pictures Yahweh, Jehovah God, gives to Moses is in Exodus chapter 3. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Now Moses kept the flock, he says, of Jethro. This is during his 40-year period in the Midian desert. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, He said, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Let me talk to you for a minute as men of God about burning, but not consumed. How can you burn and not be consumed? How do you blaze and not be consumed? How can you be burning and not consumed? Now, friends, I want you to know that in our faith tradition, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is like a fire. If you're part of church of God and Christ, like a fire shut up in my bones is what I, what Jeremiah said. 
And, and it's like a burning fire when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them. And listen, fire is the energized. But point number one, I want you to know and embrace that you are a human being, not a human machine. I want you to embrace your humanity because God never sleeps and he never slumbers. But you and I do need some sleep and some slumber. Because somebody say amen. amen. And there was a day throughout the Bible in many characters' lives that we'll look at not only in this final session today, but over the weekend tomorrow and tomorrow night with the congregation where we're going to talk about when people get exhausted. And there was a day, David is one of my heroes. Jesus is my model for leadership, but David's one of my heroes. There's a day when David was exhausted. And uh, this was not the image that we have of David because we consider David a giant killer. He's always slain the Philistines. And in 2 Samuel chapter 21 and verse number 15, it says, and once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. David was so weak that he couldn't even go on. Now, listen, times of prolonged spiritual warfare can just wear out a leader and the people. And one of the strategies of the enemy is just to wear out the saints in the last days. In fact, in Daniel chapter seven, one of the end time strategies, it says, and the enemy will wear out the saints of the most high in Daniel 725. Daniel, uh, David was exhausted. And in, in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 17, in the New Living Translation, it says, and David's men declared, you are not going out the battle. They noticed that he was weak and that he was exhausted again. It says, why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? You see, sometime when you're a leader, you need to keep people that I call keepers of the flame around you. People that know you well enough to know you're tired, aren't you? My church knows that I get tired because when I get tired and bordered on exhaustion, my eyes get red. My doctor can tell me that too. He said, you haven't been getting enough rest. I can look at your eyes and tell. And friends, other people have other signs. They're dragging. Some people, when they get tired, they get short with people. You ever have people just snap at you? You know, they're normally not snappy. Oh, well, some of y'all don't. Okay. Many times that's because people are just tired. You know, when you get tired, you don't like to put up with just stuff. And friends, the light that David was to the nation was risking going out. And they said, why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? The keepers of the flame are assigned to you as a leader, whether you're in your family, listen to your wife and to your kids, whether you're there. Uh, by yourself, if you as a single man, keep some friends around you uh, that are signed to keep the flame burning and not let it burn out. I remember one time at Raymond, when our church was first started, we went into a growth spurt. And man, I was running all the time. I was doing office hours in the daytime, doing planning and strategy, doing classes and thing at night, training leaders. And I remember one night I had a cancellation and I was at home watching television and my kids walked through and then they backed up. They said, you home tonight? And I said, well, yeah. Another kid walked through and said, you ain't got nowhere to go tonight? And I said, well, no. Another kid walked through and said, dad, you here tonight? And I said, yeah. Then I started thinking, I'm home so rarely that it's a surprise when I am home. 
Look at your neighbor and say, he was too busy. He was too busy. And friends, you need some people around you to be keepers of the flame. That can tell you, man, you're exhausted. You need to cancel some stuff. You need to slow down. You need to sit down and you need to rest. The keepers of the flames are God's assigned people to keep you from burning out and not burning down and burning out. You see, you can be burning, but not consumed. But you have to use the help that God has had assigned to you. Now, I tell you with your keepers of the flame, don't abuse the keepers of the flame that God has called to you. In other words, don't use them to do minimum tasks that you could really do yourself because sometimes God has deacons and elders assigned to a senior leader and they say, call up the brother and say, can you go pick up a McDonald's sandwich for me? No, you don't need a keeper of the flame to do that. But you need a keeper of the flame sometime to not only be with you, but also in your ear to say, pastor, I got that. Take a rest. Dad, I got that. Take a rest. I never will forget the first time my oldest son, once he was married, uh, said he wanted to take me and my wife out to dinner. They knew our favorite restaurant. And he said, and he said, we got this. We came to the restaurant. Everybody did their regular order. And I knew what that bill was going to be because I had fed this bunch before. (laughs) I took my credit card just in case. And he said, no, dad, he said, all of us are working now. All of us are adults. All of us have jobs. He said, we want to treat you and mom to dinner because y'all taking care of us all of our life. And he told the waiter, no matter what he says, give me the bill. And when he wrote that bill and I got back in my car, I said, glory. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still waiting on that day. I'm still waiting. Okay. (laughs) Because he understood that now it's our time. To be a keeper of you or you've been a keeper of us. And your time is coming, man. I'm telling you that. But sometimes you got to recognize the fact that you and I, we are human and we can be exhausted. And God puts these helpers called keepers of the flame. Now, second, know and embrace what you are to carry and what you are to delegate. That will help you to keep be burning and not consumed. Have you ever considered Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, they went to the mountain to worship. And there's a story in Genesis 22, five. And as they're going to the mountain to worship in Genesis 22, verse six, it says, and then Abraham took the wood uh, for the offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. But he took the fire in his hand and the knife and they went both together. See, some the wood is for Isaac. But the fire is for Abraham. You need to keep your fire. But know the wood that you shouldn't have to carry and place it on somebody else who's there to carry the wood. Because there's a time when they're going to have the flame and they're going to carry the fire and somebody else is going to carry the wood. And so leaders have to discern what you're to carry and what somebody else is to carry. And friends, they might not carry it the way you do. You carry your wood on the shoulder. They may strap it across both shoulders. You may carry your wood on the shoulder. They carry it in the front of their hands. They may not do it to the way that you do it, but at least the wood gets to the top of the mountain. And friends, once you give them the wood, don't take it back. Because sometimes because they're not carrying it the way I'm carrying it. Uh, Never mind, just forget it. I'll take it. And we take it back and now we got the fire and the wood and we're worn out. 
See Galatians chapter six, verse one and two, uh, two and uh, five in Galatians chapter six, two, it says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to bear one another's burdens. I'm not insensitive to that. Uh, and so one another, every now and then I get under the load and bear somebody, but I'm not carrying it all the time. Like I talked about the brother who needed his lease payment paid. And I said, I'm going to help bear this burden under you. But I said, but my responsibility is not to pay your mortgage. My whole church knows I pay mortgage at one address where I live. Okay. Anything that I do outside of that is supplemental, not mandatory. Okay. I got one amen over here. Thank you, brother. Two of my sons, my son and my daughter are married. I have another son that's at home, but my son and daughter are married. When they got married, I said, okay, let's sit down, have family talk. We did. I said, now, when you get married and you go into that apartment or townhouse, my son built a house before he got married. My daughter and her husband moved into a house. I said, I pay mortgage at one place. I said, I pay electric at one place. I pay gas and water at one place. Okay, I've got two more amens. I'm getting a little bit more buy-in. I said, now, if you need help, you can ask. I said, but your mother and I want to help manage your expectations right now. Because we take care of this house and then we'll make a decision if and when we're going to do any help with you. And they understood and they've been never have come for utility or mortgage payments. They, they bore their burden, but we're there to come up under. One time I know that their air conditioner went out. They had infants. They didn't ask for any help, but I knew I had some extra. And I said, how much are you going to cost? Hey, we got to get a whole new air conditioner. How much is it? And so they told me, and I said, look at your cash app. And I did half on it. And they said, thanks, Paul Paul. I'm the best Paul Paul in the world now, okay? <laughs> but I didn't have to do that. Right. So we bear one another's burdens. Are you hearing me? Amen. But listen to this. Everyone has his own burden. And so know your part to carry. Galatians 5, 6, or 6, 5 comes back and says, now bear one another's burden in verse number 2. But then it says, but everybody has their own burden. You understand? So it takes discerning of the Holy Ghost to know what do I need to bear and help somebody else with, and then what needs to be mine. This is mine to bear. Your responsibility as a man is to carry the fire. And every now and then, because I'm 72 years old right now, some of the young guys in our church who are preachers and destined to be pastors, they're saying, Apostle, when you go pass that torch? I said, never. <laughs> and they go, what? I said, my responsibility is not to pass the torch. I'm supposed to light your fire. I said, because I got some more fire that still needs to burn someplace else. I said, so I'm not passing the torch, but I will light your fire. And they go, huh, 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 that's deep, that's deep. I said, ain't that deep. <laughs> I said, because I got some other fires I need to ignite. And friends, you need to understand, you carry the fire, but you can light other people's. You carry the torch, but you can light other people's fire. And so leaders don't really pass the torch, they light others' fire, but they know that they're carrying the fire. So understand and embrace your humanity. Know what you are to delegate and know what you ought to keep. And then finally, how can you burn and not be consumed? Know and embrace 
You are the blaze. I believe that we're supposed to be on fire as men of God. That there shouldn't just be pot fire in the pulpit. There ought to be pot fire from the parking lot to the pulpit. Fire every place. I had a man come to our church years ago. Came to our church and he walked up the steps with a cane. Came from the church. I used to go to a Baptist church. And he came in walking on a cane. I didn't know he was coming. But during the course of the service, I looked back and I said, that's Mr. Lay. He was a very reserved deacon at the church I came from. He was dancing all over the place. And I said, that man used to never even clap his hands at Union Grove. What's he doing dancing at Rama? And so at the end of the service, he's raising hand. And they used to call me Lafayette at the church I came from. They said, Lafayette, Lafayette, Lafayette. And everybody looked around and said, that's our pastor. Who are you call Lafayette? It's more <laughs> formal in the African-American community. And so, uh, so, so I said, Mr. Lay, come on up here. He said, he said, I got to get this testimony. I got to get this testimony. He said, my car got rear-ended Monday of last week. He said, my back was all messed up. He said, I went to our church early this morning. He said, he said, and I, and they prayed over me. He said, but I knew if I came to Raymond, they would lay hands on me. He said, so I came here and came up those steps and came into the church. He said, cause I wanted to have you and the team lay hands on me. He said, but the greeter at the door hugged me. He said, I felt bones popping together in my back. And he said, I felt something warm go down my back. And then he held up the cane. He said, I'm totally healed. That's why I've been dancing. Look at your neighbor, say fire from the parking lot to the platform. Look at the other one and say fire from the parking lot to the platform. That's the way we want to blaze. From the parking lot to the platform. When you hug somebody at a door or direct somebody into a parking space. I would love it to see folks just fall out in the Holy Ghost in the parking lot. (laughs) Even if your fire grows dim, God will not extinguish your fire. God still uses bruised, reeds, and smoking flax. Y'all remember Isaiah 42, 3, where he says a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. He shall bring forth judgment. Listen, if there's still a spark in your life, God will breathe on it and restart your fire. When I was a Boy Scout leader, we used to have on Saturday night what we call Saturday night campfire. And we start this big blazing fire. And you start off, you know, with a little kindling there and some squall wood. We called it those little branches that grow under the big branches. And it was always dry, very thin. And we start that fire. And then we put some more wood on it and then some branches and then some logs. And we just say, I would tell them, the guys would say, man, we get ready to go to bed. I say, no. I say, just gather it together and let it burn. And in the morning, I would say, hey, hey. I say, Rodney and Reggie, they were twins. Go out. Start the fire for breakfast. And they'd come back to my tent the first couple of times. And they would say, they say, Reverend Scales, we see the ash and we see the smoke, but we need some mashes for the fire because there ain't no fire. And I would say, I know you see the smoke and you see the ashes. I said, but if you move those ashes back, there's fire underneath. You see, sometimes you get a little ash on your life. Now, black folks understand this. White folks, you'll have to comprehend it. But sometimes we get a little ashy. 
One time I used that as an analogy in church and I was talking about being real bad. And I said, yeah, you bring your big ashy self to bed and, and uh, never ever even taken a shower. And the woman says, you bring your what? She said, what did he just say? She thought I said A-S-S, okay. <laughs> no, I said ashy. Okay, I'm saying that for the tape, okay. Which means that your skin flakes. Some of us have different kind of skin and it gets flaky and it gets a little gray. And friends, sometimes we get a little ash on top of us. So we use lotion, you know, to help look a little bit better. However, sometimes men can have all kind of ash on them. Stuff that burned out, places where we burned out. And sometimes you need a breath of the Holy Ghost to move back all that ash. Because you think you're not saved, you think you don't have it anymore. Because there's a flame under that. And a bruised reed, even when you've been broken, he will not break. And a smoking flax, he will not quench. And when they found out there were ashes under there, and I showed them one time, I said, now what we do is we start just like we did the other night. Take that tiny piece of wood and put it on top. And then take the kindling and put it on top. Then put some, I said, some, some breads on top. And I said, and then after a while, watch it blaze. And they did. Because sometimes the world sees the smoke and they see the ash, but they're saying, where's the fire? And we don't want to be a smoky, ashy <laughs> church. We want to have a fire burning, but we want to burn and not be consumed. Let me close this out because here in this text here, uh, uh, I want you to understand that ministers, all servants of God from the parking lot to the platform, all servants of God are considered ministers. And in Hebrews chapter one, verse number seven, he says he makes his angels. He says unto his angels, he makes his angels spirits, but his ministers a flame of fire. Moses saw God in the midst of a bush that burned, but was not consumed. He was a flame of fire. Romans chapter 12, verse number 11. Message Bible says, don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled in a flame. Be alert, servants of the masters. And you be fervent in your spirit. I like Jude also about burning but not consumed. Because in burning and not consumed, Jude verse number 20, it says, and you beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I like to understand that when I pray in the spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in unknown tongues. When I'm praying there, I'm building up my most holy faith. I'm keeping the fire burning. What can I do to be burning and not consumed? First of all, reset for impact. You must, first of all, turn aside and see. I want you to see that that's important, that it's important that I keep my fire burning because somebody else is going to need the flame that's on my life. I want you to turn aside and change because God moved Moses from being a slave to a servant to all of a sudden a speaker to Pharaoh and to Israel, even though he had to bring alongside sometime some help, a delegation called Aaron. I want you to turn aside and see the transformational process God wants to do inside your life. Because the man that you are today in 2023 may not be the man that you need to be in 2024 and 25. God needs to transform us, change us in such a way 
that will never be the same. Listen to me, turn aside and become. And that is become the I am that God has called you to be. That I am a man, that I am a husband, I am a father, I am a world changer. Ask God occasionally to quicken you. Psalm 119, longest psalm in our canonized uh, 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 Hebrew scriptures. And there several times the psalmist says, quicken me according to your word. Quicken me. That means make me alive. Set me on fire again. And that's constantly what I pray to the Lord. God, let me blaze again. Let me burn again. Let the fire come again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a preacher and as a presenter, here's a guideline I want to give to you before I pray today so that you can blaze and not be consumed. I want you to know as a preacher and a presenter, whether you're presenting in a small group, a life group, where you're presenting in a Sunday school class or in a school or over this platform, I want you to learn how to pray until you hear. Because if you hear, then you have something to preach. Pray until you hear. Then I want to encourage you to read until you're full. Once you hear from God, read everything that you can about that subject matter so that you're full. Next of all, study so that you understand. Listen, when there's a mist in the pulpit, there's going to be a fog in the pews, okay? If the preacher don't know what he's talking about, the people are going to be lost. So study until you understand and then meditate until you're clear. Understand what God wants you to say and then focus in on it and stay on it. He pray until you hear, read until you're full, study until you understand, meditate until you're clear. But then don't miss this one. Pray until you burn. Once you pray in here, you need to pray until God ignites something with you in your spirit on that word. Ignite something in you that will cause a blaze to start in somebody else. Ignite something in you that will motivate somebody to change until they are converted. And if it's clear and if it's concise and if it's compelling and if it's convicting, then there will be conversion and people will be converted and then preach. So we just don't get a word from God on Monday and just, just let us lay dormant and get up and preach on Sunday. We pray until we hear. We read until we're full. We study until we understand. We meditate until we're clear. And then we pray until we burn. And then we preach. I want you as men to be burning but not consumed. Stay on fire. And keep the fire burning until it goes up and burns up all the chaff in your house. Keep the fire burning until it burns up the chaff in your marriage. Keep the fire burning until it burns up the chaff in your office building. Keep the fire burning till it starts burning up the chaff inside of your community. When I was in Zimbabwe the first time I went there, Ezekiel Gute uh, had a Bible college, Zion Assembly of God Bible College. And he said, I have an evangelistic team that meets, reaches out into the rural areas. We call them jungles. He called it rural areas. I said, what do you call the evangelistic thing? He said, we call them fox fires. And I said, what is a fox fire? He said, you remember when Samson caught all these foxes' tails on fire and sent them into the bush? And I said, yeah. He said, that's what we do in this Bible college. Then he looked around and he said, apostle, we bring all these young kids in here, catch their tail on fire and send them out into the bush. And he said, and they go out there and they blaze in the bush. And he said, now we have church plants all over these areas and they're growing into major churches because we caught somebody on fire and send them out into territories where people have never heard. And now we have churches being planted all over the areas. I want you to blaze and not be consumed. I want you to burn and not be consumed. 
And I'm going to give you a chance to pray again with that group that you prayed with just a few moments ago. I want you to put your hands on a man's shoulder and I want you to pray that the fire of God would just blaze in his life. I want you to pray that if the fire seems to have grown dim, that God reignites the fire of God in his life. I want you to pray that they'll be blazed at your church, wherever they may be, from the parking lot all the way to the platform. Go ahead and pray. Now, you're not at work, so you can pray out loud. So go ahead. Fill this sanctuary with prayer. Fill this sanctuary with prayer. Praise for the man that the fire of God will burn. Father Isaac said, I see the wood and I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Father, I thank you that Abraham put the wood on Isaac, but he carried the fire. I pray for my brothers now that the fire of God would rest on them from the parking lot all the way to this platform. Let them blaze and not be consumed. Let them blaze in the church, blaze at home, blaze at work, blaze in their community. Let them burn and not be consumed. And then, Father, don't let them pass their torch, but let them light a fire every place. Let them light a fire every place. Let them light a fire every place that they go. Let them be burning, but not consumed. And I believe you for that. Ignite something in us. Ignite something to us and through us. And for us in Jesus' name. Ignite it, Lord. Ignite it. Ignite it in Jesus' name. Ignite it, oh God. Ignite the fire. Ignite the fire. Ignite the fire, oh God. Ignite the fire. And then keep it blazing, but not consumed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. And everyone say it. Amen. Give the Lord a big praise. Good, good, good. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll take a few takeaways now. Any takeaways, any takeaways or reflections? Just raise your hand and we'll have you, you got the takeaway? The fire. The fire. <laughs> okay, has been relit. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay, and then not be burned up. Yes, sir. Be cautious not to get burnt out. Be cautious. Amen. All right. Okay, good, good, good. Delegate some of that so that you don't get burned out. You have something over here? Okay, yes, sir. More of a question. Um, how do we know what we're sacrificing is the meat and not the vegetable? The meat and not the vegetable. That's from the first lesson. Mm. Because, listen, the meat offerings are those things that have life in them. The vegetables don't have any life in them once they're detached from the from the branch or from the vine. They start dying. Mm. But meat offerings have life inside of them. Blood is running in the vein. They're still moving. And though they're disconnected from their parent, they still have life. What is the thing that's still wiggling and moving and having some life in your life? And, you know, that thing needs to be put up on that altar and sacrificed. That's what needs to go on the altar. Amen. Good. 
Somebody else? Last one? Okay, over here. Yes, sir. Amen. I love that. Listen and be still and then learn to act and respond out of that. Amen. Okay. Got, got two over here. We'll take these last two. Okay. I praise God for, uh, you know, for the word today, for just learning how to encourage ourselves. Amen. Jews that pray in the Holy Ghost, yeah. building up ourselves and not expect somebody else to build us up. All the- encourage Ourselves. Amen. The word of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. I just thank God for His word uh-huh. and, and the power and the peace of God that you mentioned earlier. That that how many times, like in road rage, you're driving on the highway. You know, somebody kind of good example. You, you want to go catch you? Yeah. Harm, right. But <laughs> if we react that way, a lot of a lot of jails are filled. Uh huh. Filled because of emotion. Yes, sir. People act badly. Uh huh. Yeah. If we can operate with the fruits of the spirit, uh-huh. love, joy, and peace is, if we stop and pause and say, Salah, and let the peace of God rule us, then we don't have to react and respond that way and get caught up in that emotion. So I just, it's the word of God. Amen. Of God. Good. Final comment. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I like the example of the embers uh-huh. uh, and the fire because I was thinking, I wasn't, uh, I'm not from down here. But I was told about this, and I am so thankful that I came to hear the word that you share, and also to be among you guys. And it made me think about how if you have two embers, you put them together and they're hot, and get three or four or five, it's a lot easier to stay hot and yes, stay sir. on fire. Uh-huh. So I just thank God for these opportunities, and okay. we should continue to look for those opportunities. Well, keep on coming from up north. Yeah. <laughs> up north. <laughs> Good. He's from the area? Connected in Columbus and decided to come to the meeting. I'm glad you came. Okay, amen. Pastor Chris, come and close us out and uh, give us final instructions. Amen. Thanks, man, for letting me minister to you today. Yes.